This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, this is the seventh day of Pesach. We're going to talk about Az Yoshir, Perik Tesvav, Posik Aleph, in Parsha Shmos and Parsha Bishalach. Az Yashir, Moshe Ben Yisrael, Sashir Azos Lashem. Then, Moshe Ben Yisrael, along with Bnei Yisrael, this song to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Az Yashir. Both of those words are what we're going to concentrate on. And the words, Az, Az, seems to be then, as, a, as opposed to at, at that time, etc. Then. Then is a strange word. And then Yashir is future tense. So Rashi translates this Pasuk and Pshat by saying, then, after they saw the miracle of what happened at Kriyas Yamsuf, it entered Moshe Rabbeinu's heart to sing the song. That's how he explains the future tense. It entered his heart that he would sing the song, and then he sang it. Even though the Pasuk seems to be talking about in future tense, it really means he decided to do so at that time. He gives a couple other examples of this. By Yoshua, Az Yedaber Yoshua. And by Ubayis Yeaseh, or Yaaseh Lebas Paro, by Shlomo Melech. There are other examples that Rashi gives. The Chidah says there's two separate mitzvahs here. The thought process is one mitzvah. And then the second mitzvah is the action of doing it itself. There's the thought process of, I think I'm going to sing. And then the idea of actually singing. And there are two different ideas over here. He calls them two mitzvahs that Moshe Rabbeinu went through. The Goryeh explains why it's so important to be known as something that enters your heart and then done afterward. He says when can feel simcha, especially in the heart itself, it's automatic that they're going to want to sing for it. Every single person that felt very happy, they all felt happy after Kriyas Yamsuf, And it felt natural for them to sing right then. Otherwise, it would not really be a shir, it would be a lower level song. The thought process and the simcha they achieved within them beforehand, which caused them to then have, then have Ruach HaKodesh to sing this beautiful song. That's how the Gurari says that's the important part, that they brought it within themselves in order to be able to have an amount of Ruach HaKodesh that allowed them to be the people that they were. The Ruzah Bosom clarifies this just a bit. He says this was not just HaKodesh Baruch Hu giving them a gift of Ruach HaKodesh for them to sing a song, that all of a sudden they, they got something inside them and that's that. No, they earned it because they desired it, they wanted it, and they felt it for themselves to the point where HaKodesh Baruch Hu looked down at them and said, fine, I'm giving you Ruach HaKodesh because you deserve such a thing. And after they had that initial desire, then Oz Yashir, that's the idea of Oz Yashir. The Shem Yishmol says the greatness of any mitzvah is tied to the emotions of the person who does it. The fact that they had Ruach HaKodesh means that not only were they singing and whatever, it was that they had everything within them. It was unbelievable, the rut zone that went straight to a Kodesh Baruch Hu that allowed them to become what it was. And that's why Rashi points it out, that it was Allah Belivam. It came up in their hearts to do so. The Kedushas Levi says it's one thing to have Simcha in your heart. When you let, let that Simcha come out through your mouth by singing and praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it allows the Simcha to be complete. Az Yashir. Then they sang it and they allowed the Simcha to be complete. Think about a person sitting at a table at a wedding, right? And he's happy on the inside for the Chatzan and the Kawa. But then he gets up and he starts singing. That Simcha exudes from him and allows that Simcha to be felt by everybody else. That's the idea. The expression of what they had on the inside then showed from the outside. The Ibn Ezra says that in Hebrew, there's a law that Az can refer to past tense, even though the word afterward, after it, is future tense. So Az Yashir, according to Ibn Ezra, is actually past tense. He gives out six examples of this, and he says it's the same thing in the Arabic language, which Ibn Ezra does quite often. He says that Ivri and Aravi are very similar to one another, and he says that's the idea. The Ramban says there's many examples of Lashon Asid being used in clearly not 
future tense, but in another way altogether. He says, this is normally done when a person is telling a story. Then I did this, and then I did that, as if you're telling it about what you're going to do in the future, even though it already happened in the past. And that's how the Ramban Ramban understands it. The Rebel Yashiv used to say, you should never think that you've already sung your song in past tense, fulfilled your topkit in life. Zelonemar, says the, the, the Rebel Yashiv, rather Yashir, you should look forward to what you're going to do in the future. Know what you have to do. It's all about the Yashir, not the Shor. And that's why Yashir says it's written in the future tense so that a person should always feel like they're constantly singing to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Kedusha Slavi quotes the Baal Shem Tov that Hashem Tzilcha, Hashem is your shadow. You know, like wherever you go, your shadow follows you. If you go this way, the shadow is behind you. You go the other way, the shadow is behind you. Whatever we do, Hashem mirrors that in Shemaim. He allows us to be treated the way that we want to be treated. If we act with Chesed, Hashem treats us with Chesed. If we act with Midas Adin, then Hashem treats us with Midas Adin. When they sang Shira on the destruction of their enemies down here, then Hashem sang in the Shemayim above at the exact same time. That Yashir is not a Lushan for us. Us, Yashir, we caused God to sing in the heavens by us singing down here. So the Yashir is not about us. For us, it was past tense. But for Shemayim, was Lushan Hethil, making it happen. That's the idea behind it. And that's why it's written by Lushan Asid. They sing up in Shemayim. They sing this song, La Hashem in Shemayim as well. The Orach HaMikar says the word us means they met, they got up to a level of Yerusha Romulus, of an awe of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, that they had never had, as, had before, as well as a level of a Muna, that they couldn't believe they had gotten. To. They were Zohar to sing with true Ruach HaKodesh, right, to a level that they had never gotten to before. However, don't think that this won't happen in the future. Yashir is a hint that just like they sang it back then, then in the future in the Geula, when Mashiach comes, we're going to sing again. It may be this song, it may be Oz Yashir, and we'll understand how that's going to apply in the future. But there will be a song that we're going to sing again, and we're going to feel it at all times. And in fact, says the Orachayim HaKadosh, if a person wanted to, they could feel this song every day of their life. That's why we sing it every day in our Pesukit Zimra. What is Az Yashir? Why are we singing it in Pesukit Zimra? Why is that part of our Pesukit Zimra? Pesukit Zimra is very clear in the ideas that we're trying to do of thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu, knowing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was in charge. The five Halukas, Posech HaZidach Maspi HaLechol and Ashrei. It's all very clear what we're doing. And then Az Yashir? For what? It happened once and that was that. And the concept, says the Orachim HaKadosh, is that no, our, His presence, His warmth is with us every single day. If we sing to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which Az Yashar should be said in a sing-song voice, then you're going to feel it every single day. And when Victor Miller says, maybe it was Uz, maybe it was then that they started singing it. But once they started, this singing lasted forever. And it's still going on today. Not only is it read daily, not only do we do it on the seventh day of Pesach, not only do we have it on the seventh night of Pesach, where many people stay up in order to read Az Yashir at Chatzos Lila at midnight when B'nai Yisrael crossed over, but it will be done so forever. It caused B'nai Yisrael to constantly be singing the praises of HaKadosh Baruch Hu over and over and over again. The Chidush Rim, the first Gera Rebbe, said this in one line. At, the mo- at that moment, they had the desire to continue singing forever. And even though that's impossible, they wanted to keep singing and never stop. Maybe you've had that feeling when you're, t- 
you're hearing somebody singing, like an Ishai Rebo or a Simcha Liner at a wedding, and you feel like, oh my gosh, I don't want this song to stop. It's such an awesome song, and the voice is so beautiful, I don't want it to stop. That's the feeling that Klau Yisrael had to the nth degree. This is But to the nth degree, that's what Klau Yisrael felt at that time. Az Yashir, they felt like they could, they could do this for the rest of their lives. So why did they sing in that moment? What happened then that they didn't have before? The Makos happened. They believed that God had done everything. All of a sudden, it's going to be there. So what was it that they saw and they experienced that allowed them to come to that level? So the Tzur HaMor says Moshe Rabbeinu saw that they were no longer just physically saved from danger. They were out of Mitzrayim. They no longer were slaves. They were also given a dose of Amuna that would never leave them for the rest of their lives. Imagine having an experience that happened to you. A miracle, of course, a miracle, but it doesn't have to be miraculous. Anything natural where something happened to you where you cannot get over it. You're going to remember this for the rest of your life. They achieved a greatness at this moment that will never be lost from them or their children forever and ever. And they would keep it not just for this world, but for Olam Abba as well. That Amuna was going to be so strong it would allow them to do many things that they previously never would have been able to do. That's why he sang. That's why this song was given. I'll give an example of this. It's a crazy example. There was once an evil decree that was made by the Austrians near Czechoslovakia, right, by the city of Nikolsburg, which is now known as Mikulov, right, in the area of Czechoslovakia. Rav Shmokel of, of Nikolsburg, Rav Shmokel of Nikolsburg was the great Rebbe at the time, in the late 1700s, wanted to have it rescinded, and he brought along his student, Ramosha Leib of Sastava, the Sastava Rebbe. They had to cross the river Danube, right, the Danube, is what they call him, the safer, right, to get to the palace in Vienna to let their cases be heard, right, to be able to go through. Now, this is a time in the spring where the winter thaws had already happened and there were ice flows floating through the Danube River. You couldn't cross the river in a regular boat because the ice flows were going too fast and if they hit your boat, your boat was going to sink. So nobody was willing to take them across. And the bridge was all the way down. They felt that this is Sakanas Nefashos. They didn't want to wait to go all the way to the bridge. So they rented a boat from one of the people. They said, can I borrow your boat? This rabbi, right? The Rebbe of Nichols, Rav Shmok of Nicholsburg, together with his Talmud, Ramosha Leib of Sasov, right? It only fit two people. And the boatman was like, you're wasting your money. You're going to sink. And we're not coming to get you because the water is freezing cold. They said, don't worry about it. Rishmoka went inside and he stood up in the boat and started singing Uz Yashir out loud. And the boat went straight through the ice flows. Now, it wasn't like it was actual ice. It was ice flows coming through, but it safely went from one side to the other. All these people were watching in Vienna on the other side of the Danube River. They were watching Rishmoka do this. They started speaking about the miracle worker Rebbe, right, who had caused their boat to go straight through and nobody else was even the most experienced boatmen weren't, weren't willing to do it. And eventually it got to the parliament. The parliament found out who this was. They asked what had happened and they, they found out about the decree, etc. They rescinded the decree because of what happened over here. Uz Yashir doesn't have a power that was just back then. The power is there for us today. You might have to be a smoke of Nicholsburg to be able to know how to use it, but the power of Uz Yashir is there every single day when we daven. The Mamloes says that Uz Yashir is in singular form because everyone achieved the same level of nevuah of this song together. They were equal at that moment. B'nai Yisrael along with Moshe, the, the highest of the high of Moshe Rabbeinu with the shifcha that was at the sea, the lowest shifcha that was at the sea, they all achieved the exact same level. That's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu told the Malachim to wait and not sing anything until B'nai Yisrael finished their song. Because normally the Malachim would be at a higher level than 
the rest of Bnei Yisrael, maybe not more than Moshe Rabbeinu, but than the rest of Bnei Yisrael. But now the people themselves were higher, were on a higher level than the angels could ever get to. The Barbanel says no. Moshe Rabbeinu was, of course, higher than the rest of the people. Moshe was able to sing this whole song while the people just answered back, Ashir Lashem Ki over and over and over again. Only Moshe Rabbeinu received this nevuah clearly. Everybody else got what they were supposed to get. But the truth is, the Abarbanel and the Miam Lois are arguing a Gemara in Sota Laman of Abayz, where they argue whether or not this was all of Bnei Yisrael singing the song together, or if it was Moshe Rabbeinu and then the people answering back, or it was Moshe Rabbeinu and the people just saying, Ashir Lashem Ki over and over and over again. It's a Focus. But regardless, that's amazing. The Ayel Shachar says, either way, they did not keep this love of Ruach HaKodesh. It was like after the 67 and the 73 war in Israel, where everybody started running to get tefillin, and then it was over. Like, they got tefillin, and then they forgot about it. The Yom Kippur War affected many, many people, but it didn't last. And unfortunately, that's what Kriyas Yom says. The truth is, that's what every miracle does. No miracle lasts inside a person. Where Victor Miller says the difference between malachim and humans is that malachim can never grow. They don't gain more awareness of Akarish Baruch They can't understand Hashem greater than when, when something tremendous happens in the world. People have the ability to grow and become stronger when they see the results of Hashem's actions, such as when the wicked are punished in front of their eyes, mida keneged mida, for how evil they were. That allowed them to become greater, and Therefore, they were above the Malachim and why they became greater. And maybe, according to Miam Lois, so great they became on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu themselves. It's possible. But then Itziv has more obvious reason for the word us. He says, the people did not sing and praise Hashem until the salvation was finished. Until everything was done. The Makos, they weren't over yet. Yes, they left Mitzrayim. They got out of Mitzrayim. But they still had Mitzrayim chasing after them. They were still worried. They could not or would not sing Shira. That's why the word us is it. They would only wait until that point to be able to sing Shira. The Ksav Sofer says, really, B'nai Yisrael should have sung Shira immediately when they left Mitzrayim. But at that time, they didn't have full Amuna and Hashem just yet. They understood that the Makos were done by Hashem. And they knew that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was in charge. But they needed a Kriyas Yamsuf to see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu purposely made Parochase after them. Allowed everything to happen in that way. They still had Kashas. Hashem, I get it, but why did you prolong the Makos? Why did you make the Makos happen every month? instead of one after the other so that we could leave in five days. Why did it have to be a month and then a month and then a month and then afterwards? Why does it have to be that we're going through the midbar and then going backward and going... Only at the end of Kriya Siamsu do they understand that everything was Mita Kineg and Mita, where the Mitzrayim were being punished entirely for what they had done to Klau Yisrael. Each part, even the fear that they had to experience was part of what was necessary for them to achieve the Kapara that they got right over there. That's when they understood it says Ksav Silver. Until this happened, they couldn't, they weren't fully Believing in Hashem, Vayaminu Hashem of Moshe Abdo was only now at Kriyas Yamsuf, not Mitzrayim. There was a little bit of Amuna then, but there wasn't the full amount of Amuna. Reb Chaim Brisker says songs can only be sung after the miracle happens. Just because a person has bitachon that a miracle is going to happen is not enough to sing Shira. If you know something's going to happen, you know Hashem's going to take you out of the plight that you're in, the horrible situation that you're in. That's not enough to sing Shira even though you know it's going to happen. You have to wait for it to be finished. Says Rechaim Brisker, B'nai Yisrael knew by the Makos that Hashem was in charge, but it wasn't over yet and they knew that. They had to wait for it to be over and when it was over, only then could they sing Shira. He explains these are the words, Vani batachti. I trust your chesed will happen. My heart will rejoice by the Yeshua. I trust you, God. I know you're going to do this. I believe it. But I'm not singing until I see the Yeshua. 
I don't get that until that point. They ask the question, they say, Yoshapat, saying Shira in Divrayam and Bez, Parachaf, when the Navi told him he would defeat the other army in war, even though he didn't win yet. So what about over there? And the Grizz answers is the difference between bitachon of a normal human being and a havtacha from a navi. When a navi tells you something, it's not going to be taken down. When a navi tells you you're going to win, then you can sing shira a little bit differently. You can do it early. But if he hasn't, if it's just you, it's just bitachon, so to speak. Bitachon is not strong enough. And that's the idea behind it. There's a chazanish and a munah bitachon chilet beis that talks about this as well, where something is good at the moment, etc. Okay, but we're not going to go into that in medrash. Rashi says, Oz Yashir is a hint to Tchias Tamesim in the Torah. That there is going to be Tchias Tamesim, it's in future tense. Other psukim could be understood this way as well, right? Except for Oz Yivnesh Shlomo Bama, that might be a little bit different because that was at the end of his life, etc., right? But let's not talk about that for right now, that's another issue altogether. But Oz Yashir is a proof that in the future we will sing that even these people that died by. by during the Midbar itself, will come back, be a part of Tzchias Mesim, and sing again. The Bali Tos is quote Reb Meir, quote Rabbi Elazar, says anyone who sings Shira to Hashem in this world will be Zoha to sing it in the next world itself. And Rav says, I guarantee it myself. Which means, in theory, if you sing Gaz Yashir every single day in your Pesukah de Zimra, you're guaranteed not only to sing it in Olam Abba, you're guaranteed to sing it in Tzchias Mesim as well. And whether or not that's two different places, that's up to the Ramban and the Rambam. The Chidush hints this, that through the Torah, one can do Tchiyas HaMesim at any time. That's the Shira that's hinted to over here. It could cause the dead to come back to life if you have Torah. It's possible that Tfila is not enough to bring the dead back to life. Only Torah has that ability. Rav Tzadok Akoin talks about the difference between Eliyahu Navi and Elisha. That Eliyahu Navi was able to bring back the dead with his Torah learning. And Elisha had to do it through tefillah. And that's why Eliyahu Navi had an easy time bringing back the dead, while Elisha had to do it seven times, etc. There's a difference between them that's based on the Chidush Rim that Yashir, if you sing the Torah, you'll have that ability to be able to bring the dead back to life. Rav Schwab, explains the power of a holy thought is much greater than we think. What are thoughts? This is a classic Rav Schwab. Thoughts connect our body to our soul. Our nefesh, which runs through our blood and allows us to move and do everything that we have, when our nefesh is taken away, we're a dead body, the blood can no longer flow. Our nefesh is connected to our brain stream, and that brain stream is connected to the ruach of a person, and the ruach then to an ishama, and the ishama is so high it never greets our body, so to speak. It surrounds like an aura around our body, but it's never really there. It's connected instead to a Baruch Hu in some way, shape, or form. Says Rav Schwab, just like HaKadosh Baruch who exists forever, your thought process, which is connected to your nefesh, to your ruach, to your neshama, is going to live forever. It's not just a joke of Allah libi, Allah belibo lo marshira. It came up in his heart to sing shira. Once he had that thought that I want to sing shira, once Moshe Rabbeinu had that in his head like we started off with, with Rashi, then automatically he was connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and it lasted forever. It will never be battle because a thought is never battle, And that's the Yisod of Tchiyas HaMesim. That a person is comprised of holy thoughts and pure intentions will never die. Because those intentions and those thoughts will always be able to come back in some way, shape, or form because you're connected to Hashem forever. And therefore, the two Pshatim and Rashi are not separate. Rashi said originally the first thought that he said was that 
It came up in Moshe's heart to sing Shira, and that's why it's in future tense. And then he says, it's a remez to Tchiyas Amesim. Because it became a thought in his heart to do, therefore it became an essence, in essence it became Tchiyas Amesim. That's how Schwab explains it. And that's a beautiful explanation of how to understand how that Tchiyas That does not mean that we're going to be missing out on what Tchiyas Amesim is in the future. Our bodies, of course, will come back. But the thought process stays forever. The thought process is there. And as a timeout, there's a scary thing behind this. If your thought process stays forever, that means that if you have bad thoughts, if you're not thinking in the right way, then chas v'shalom, those thoughts never come out either. They're always there. And that's why a person has to be so careful. It's not an Avera. It's not an Avera. But bad, bad thoughts are not a positive thing for a person to have. The tour says that Uz is the gematria of the number eight. It was the schus of brismila given on the eighth day that there was over the sea to be split. In fact, we say in Hodul Hashem Kitov Kilo Chaso, Mizmor Kuflam and Bab, which is called Halla Gadol, which we say every Shabbos day, and we say Pesach night at the Seder, Legozer Yamsuf Ligzarim. Gozer Yamsuf Ligzarim in Tilon Kuflam and Bab. Vayamo in Targum is Gazar. To be Gazar, that means to cut. That's not Stam. The number eight refers to the Yamosa Mashiach. Seven of our week, it's almost like six is the physical world. Seven, right, for example, Yavon, for example, right, is supposed to be 66 for that reason. The number 66, because it's pure Gashmias. Seven is Shabbos. Omdim Aleinu Lechalo is 777 for that reason. The Gematra is 777. It's Shabbos, the Kedusha of our world. And eight is pure Kedusha, the Amosa Mashiach. And therefore, this idea of the bris milah being on the eighth day and referring to the Gozer of Yom which is the Kinor of Mashiach being made out of eight strings, according to the Gemara Narach and Yud Gimel and Mabez, that's when Tchiyas Amesim will happen. And that's the connection. That's what the Balaturim means with us right over there. By Yatz of Yaakov, Rav Avram Bach of Melbourne, also wonders what the connection is between bris milah and the Yom itself. He brings a Gemara Menachos, Mem Gimel and that David Melech once went into a mikvah, right? And he had no mitzvahs. He was standing there naked. Nobody else was around. He had no mitzvahs on him. And he said, Oy vey, I have nothing on me until he realized that he had a bris milah. And then he comforted himself. And he sang, after he left the, the bathhouse, he sang, Lam Natseach ala Shminis. Mizmor Ledavid, Alam Natsach on the eighth string, right? Mizmor Ledavid on the eighth day of Brismila itself. What's the shop behind that medrash? That medrash has hundreds of explanations, literally. But he says the following. He said the following. David wanted to wash off the tumah that's inherent in every mitzvah. Because every mitzvah you do, you're thinking, well, somebody looking at me, something else involved, maybe it's good for me, etc. That's you have by every single mitzvah. But he's afraid that if he did so, he would be left with nothing. Maybe he didn't have any kedusha, any good thoughts, any ruach tahara while doing these mitzvahs. Himself. He was worried. He would essentially be naked, right, of all the mitzvahs. That's what he was saying. Oh my gosh, I don't have anything left. Then he remembered the bris milah that he did with no other thoughts in his head. He had nothing else inside his head otherwise, other to do it to, for a Kodesh Baruch Hu itself. So Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to sing Shira. He wanted to sing Shira, but he didn't feel himself worthy of doing so because he thought that maybe the mitzvot that everybody was doing were filled with other thoughts. And then he remembered the bris milah that Klai Yisrael was willing to do in Mitzrayim right before they left in order to eat the Korban Pesach. Right? And they realized that that had to be L'Shem Shemayim. It had to be. And he realized that they had a schus to sing Shira and that's up shop behind it. That's the idea of the bris milah connected with this. It's not Tchiyas Amesim, but it's another idea behind the bris milah itself.
The Bali Tosa say this is the first time that anybody davened sang songs to a Baruch to being saved miraculously. Other Marish never did so. Avinu never sang a song after he was out of the Kivshan Aish. Yitzchak Avinu for anything that he did when he's brought as a Korban by the Akeda, he never sang a song. Yaakovinu after he defeated the Malach never sang a song. The first ones to do so were Moshe Rabbeinu and B'nai Yisrael and that's why he says the word Uz. Uz Yashir Moshe B'nai Yisrael. But no one before, no Avos, no Emos, nobody before the year 2448 ever sang a song about this. Rashmi Bells says the reason why the tzaddikim before this didn't want to sing Shira is because a true song needs to require, it requires Mesiris Nefesh. And they wanted to continue serving Hashem. They didn't want to die. They wanted to continue serving Hashem. So they only sang to Hashem at the end of their lives, but not before that. They weren't willing to do it before it. However, B'nai Yisrael were promised to receive the Torah at Har Sinai. Therefore, they were willing to sing now because they knew that even if they would die, that we'd be brought back to life. They were willing to die now and they weren't worried because they knew that we'd be brought back. But Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, all the others, the Shvatim, never sang a song because they never wanted to be completely given over to the song itself. But it does tell you something. That means that every time you sing Oz Yashir, it should really be about being willing to give yourself up to a Kaddish Baruch Hu in some way, shape, or form. Now, there's a bunch of Ramazim in the word Oz. Chizkuni says Moshe at first used the word Oz to fight Hashem. He said, At the end of Parshish Shmos, Ever since I came in front of you, God, all you've done is evil to my nation. B'nai Yisrael are now being served, they're being treated even worse than they were before. God, why did you send me down to Mitzrayim? He used the word us to fight Hashem. He used it to fight HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So now, when they're out of Mitzrayim and everything's all done and he realized it was all for the best, he used the word us to praise Hashem. I used the word us badly, now I'm using it to praise Hashem. Medrash Rabbah gives a marshal to a melech, a king who saw a part of his kingdom was rebelling against him. So he went up to his advisor, his chief advisor, and said, what should I do? They said, king, don't fight them. They're too strong for you. There's nothing you do. So what did the king do? He took his army in the middle of the night by himself, went and defeated that bunch of people, the rebels, right? And he came back. The advisor realized that he had won the war against his own advice. He made a golden crown and brought it to the king. The king looked at him and said, what do I need this for? And he said, I sinned by telling the king that he couldn't do something. The king can do anything. You are truly the king overall. So too, that's why Moshe Rabbeinu sang this word song with the word us. He said, I thought, Hashem, that you weren't able to do what you said you were sending to do. I made a mistake, said Moshe the advisor. And now I'm there for giving this crown back to you. You deserve the us. And that's the muscle that happened over here. What's the connection here? The Arugas of Bosom says that Moshe Rabbeinu sinned when saying, may us bossy is that he said it before thinking it. If you would have thought about it, you would have been like, of course God can do anything. Why would I even argue? But he was so angry, and sometimes this happens. We just blurt out a line without even thinking about it. We just say something that's a great line, right? To knock the guy down without even thinking about it. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu did. He said to a Kodesh Baruch may Oz Bossi, and then immediately regretted it. Here, he thought about it before singing it. Oz, then, after thinking about what he wanted, and why he wanted to sing, Yashir. Then he sang about it. it says that and that's how, the way we should be. When we act impetuously, Pachaz Kamayim, then Al Tosar. That's Ruven. And Ruven lost the Bechorah, 
the Malchus and the Kahuna because he was too quick to say something. Moshe Rabbeinu, on the other hand, was Yashir. And therefore he became the person. Says the tour. not only this, but the Dora Mabel, when they rebelled against the Kurdish, I'm sorry, not the Dora Mabel, the Dora Enosh, the generation of Enosh that rebelled against the Kurdish power, who also used the word Uz, says, Uz Huchal Likro, B'Shem Elohim They started to call out in the name of other gods, they started worshiping Abu Zara. And then a Kurdish power who drowned a third of the world with the Alkinus at the Atlantic Ocean, the Midrashim tell us, this doesn't make it into the Torah, but he drowned out the world. Here he was metaking that by saying the word Uz. They saw that instead of the dry land turning into the sea, they saw the sea turning into dry land. So they used us to be attacking the sin of Dor Enosh as a timeout. Some say that Dor Enosh and Dora Mabel and Dora Flaga, all of those generations, the souls were the same souls in, the, in B'nai Yisrael themselves. So they themselves had to be attacking their us from back then. So they said us over here. The Briska Rav says clearly it's a proof that Uz Yashir is certainly part of the Shira, not just an introduction. You ever wonder, where does the song start? Does the song start, Uz Yashir Moshe Avnei Yisrael, as a Shira Zos Vayim Elimoah, Shira Lashem Ki Goga, or does the song start with a Shira Lashem Ki Goga? Where is the song? Brisk Rav says, it must be that Uz Yashir is part of the song, because he just said, Umay Uz Basi, so he started the song with Uz. If Uz is not part of the song, then this whole medrash doesn't make any sense, right? So it must be that Uz is part of the song. Says the Briskarov, I can even prove it to you. Because if you look at the bricks, you know how like, it's drawn out with bricks, right, in the Torah itself? Uz Yashir is part of those bricks. It's not part of the regular writing. It's part of the, it must be it's part of the song itself. That's the idea. There's a Rosh Sternbach that talks about this as well. There's a possibility. It's not whatever. It's not a real proof. But it, the Briskarov talks about it in his Sefer. The Shach, okay, we have a Shach, we have a Kedushas Levi, I'm skipping a little bit. The Balaturim says the Uz, and then the extra Yud in Yashir, says that there are ten Shiros in Tanakh. Ten songs in all of Tanakh. Obviously in the Torah there are three. There's Uz Yashir, Uz Yashir Moshe, the Shiros of Be'er in Parshas Chukas, and Hazinu. Then you have, by Yoshua, there's a question where exactly it is, but it's possible the 31 kings in Yoshua, Devorah's song in Shoftim, Chana's song in Shmuel Aleph, David's song at the end of Shmuel Bays. That's already up to seven. If we have three, four, five, six, seven, that's seven right there. Shlomo's song of Shir Hashirim, Chizkiyahu's song that he sings after the whole war is over, as well as the Shira in the future mentioned in Ishaya, Membez. Those are the ten songs that will be there. The Igret Akala says all the songs in the world are Lashanakeva, Shira. But Uz Yashir is in masculine form as well, because in the future, as we said, we're going to sing it in the future as well, it's going to turn into a masculine song. The feminine song is at the time of Olam Hazeh, the masculine song is Olam Abba. Shir Hashirim, Hashir Lishlomo, is the difference. That's the only one that's in masculine form, and the reason why is because that's on a higher level, so to speak, the level of Mashiach. That's the idea of what it's going to be. The Tosefis Bracha, he goes on to about that as well. The Leinu Shabach says, I want you to think, how happy would you be if the President of the United States came to greet you in Air Force One in order to save you? Forget about sending his own troops to get you. He comes himself in Air Force One to get you out of wherever you are and takes you out and brings himself and then brings you back in the plane along with him. Consider what Akadosh Baruch did for us in Mitzrayim, coming with us and then taking us out. Automatically, that's how strong this song should be for us, how strong it should feel to us. I'm going to quote, I have two things left. Rav Schwab and Tuvcha Yaviv, okay? Rav Schwab is literally a mind-blowing Devar Torah. 
a mind-blowing one. I'm shortening it. It's in Mayan Beis HaShoeva, but he talks about it in three different places. But this is an absolute, an unbelievable piece from Meshwab. He quotes a Medrash that this is what David Melech means. Oz Yashir. This is what David Melech means when he said, Nachon Kisachame Oz. Your throne, your Kisya Kavod, has been set from Oz Yashir. May Olamata, you exist forever. Do you recognize that? That's from Tzadi Gimel in Tehillim. That's our Friday Shir Shalyom. Friday Shir Shalyom. So tomorrow morning, that's the song we're going to sing. I know. We all know the Yom by her. Every Yom. We know it by her. That and Tafnun. It's our easiest things that we know. Nachon Kisach Me'oz. Listen. The Kisiyah Kavod was set up Me'oz from Oz Yashir. Me'olamato. Wait a second. The Kisiyah Kavod was set up from Oz Yashir. The Kisiyah Kavod existed before the world. The Gemara in Nidorim Lamatesim Abeis says, it's also in Pesachim, that the Kisya Kavod was created before the world was created. The Kisya Kavod was already made. What do you mean it was set up from Uz Yashir? What in the world does that mean? That's Schwab's question. Chazal Tullus and Sanhedrin, Samach Zayinim Abeis. The magic is called Kshatim. You know what's called Kishuf? The Kishuf Macher? You know what's called Kishuf? Kshatim means Machishin Pamalia Shomailah. It denies the based in Shomailah. If the Malachim want to do something, if the Malachim want to do something, Kishuf can knock out what the Malachim want to do. It's Machishin Pamalia Shomailah. It controls even the angels above. However, it does not control Hashem. As powerful as Kishuf is, it cannot go above the Malachim. It can't reach the Kisya Kavod. Magic cannot go above it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a gzera. It happens even if Kishuf goes against it. Kishuf has no ability to control it. However, it's possible that that's only after Kriyas Yamsuf. It's possible that before Kriyas Yamsuf, Kishuf was more powerful that Hashem put in the world the ability for Kishuf to knock out the Gezeros of Hashem himself. If Hashem made a decree, Kishuf, a real Mechashev, might have the ability to knock out that Gezero. After Kriyas Yamsuf, they could only be Machishin Pamalia Shomailo. They could only knock out the Basin Shomailo. But before him, it could be that they could knock out a Gezero of Hashem. Therefore, the Egyptians, before Kriyas Yamsuf, may have had the ability to go above their pay grade to knock out the Gezeros of HaKadosh Baruch himself. And they were even able to replicate the Makos. They could do it. I know Chazal might say that it was a, it was a cheap lesson, but it could be that the Imamish did copy Dam and Tzvardim, maybe not Kenim, but they could go against, they were able to do things. They were like, but once Kriyas Yamsuf happened, they were no longer able to do it. It was only Kishuf. They were only able to be Machish, Pamalia Shomailah, but not Ratzon Shomailah. They weren't able to go against HaKadosh Baruch himself. When was that? Az Yashir. At Az Yashir, Nachon Kisacha. Your Kisei was set in place and could not be knocked down no matter what. After Az Yashir, Kishuv could not do anything. That was the power of Az Yashir and what happened over there. The Kisei covered could no longer be touched. The angels, they could be touched. But Az Yashir knocked out from the Kisei covered, and that's what the Pasuk is. Nachon Kisacha may Az. Why? What happened to Az Yashir that knocked out Kishuf? Says Rav Schwab, listen to this. It's possible that the Mesiris Nefesh of any Jew for a Kaddish Baruch Hu and what Hashem wants 
has the ability to knock out that Kiddush Hashem that's made that allows for a, a more a, a manifestation of Ruach HaKodesh of the Shekhinah in this world that knocks out the power of the Satan and makes it weaker and more destructive. Actually, destructive in a bad way. It destroys it. Our decision to go into the desert without any food or supplies, proper supplies, and enter the Yamsuf, which Nachshon Ben Aminadav and the people did, without questioning at all, just walk in. That Mesiris Nefesh, our faith in Hashem, our willing to die, could have caused the powers of Tuma to become that much weaker. As the generations have gone on more and more, and more and more Jews have been Moser Nefesh, that explains why the powers of Tuma are weaker and weaker. You wonder why demons no longer appear in our world, but in the times of Chazal by the Tanoim and Amorayim, there were demons walking around like Yosef Sheda, who was a friend of Papa and Rava, and Ashmedai, king of the demons, is walking around dealing with Shlomo Amelech. You wonder why these things... There's an entire Gemara and Pesachim on top, Kuf Tes, Kuf Yud, about Zugos. We have no idea what it is. We have no clue that Ben Ishchai is all peace on it and Ben Yahu trying to explain what Zugos and we've never seen such a thing. We have no clue. Two at a time. Who did, what's the problem? We have no Sheikhs to it. There are no Kishof Machers anymore. Only in stories told by Rebbe Hill. There's no other Kishof Machers out there. There's no Kishof. There's no magic. You have a gypsy here and there. Right? But you don't have anybody else. What happened to all this stuff? Well, yeah. When Daniel got thrown into the pit of lions for davening, when Hanani, Mishol, and Azariah were willing to be thrown into the Kivshana Eish to not bow down to the Tselem of Nebuchadnezzar, that mysterious Nefesh, and of course, Esther's willingness to die by the hands of Achashverosh, their willingness to die in Gullus Babel caused all Nevi'e Sheker to be gone. There was not a single Navi Sheker after that. Not one Navi Sheker, not one real Navi Sheker. They were gone. And as the times have gone on, We've had crusades, the Kalminiki massacres. We've had the Inquisition, not necessarily in that order, right? Takvatad was the Kalminiki massacres. Pogroms, blood libels, the Holocaust. The mysterious nefesh that we've gone through over the last 1,200 years has knocked out the powers of Tuma. There's no more Dibuks. If you see a Dibuk once in a while, it's usually a fake. Maybe once every 100 years, I'll have a Chafetz Chaim Dibuk. A, a, a Rav Shlomo Alkabitz Dibuk. A Rishash Dibuk. And that's it. Ayin Hara? There's no Shaykhis. We have no Shaykhis to it anymore. Ruach Ra. Rav Shlomo Zam Rorbach says there's a, shay, there's a Shayla on Ruach Ra if it exists anymore in the world. Zugos, it's gone. Shadim are gone. Why? Because the amount of mysterious nefesh that we've had over the years has knocked it out. It became so weak, it's basically gone from us completely. Maybe that's the case here. That's Nachon Kisachamiyaz. It started at Oz Yashir, where no longer could Kishuv be above to the Kisachav of Nachon Kisachamiyaz. And then from then on, the amount of mysterious nefesh that Klai Yisrael has done has knocked out Tuma to the point where we can barely see it anymore. Isn't that an unbelievable idea? And the last one, Tubcha Abiyu says, we see throughout Shas the line of. You know what? This is a story for another time. This Tufchi Abiyu I'm going to save for another time. It's about Chasuri Mechasra B'Halchi Katani. Those, something is lacking and read thusly, right? That's how Rabbi Tversky used to always say it to me. Why would the Tana leave out the line, etc.? But that's not for right now. We don't have to do this right now. We're going to continue with this next time. Shkayach, everybody. Heavy Chag Sameach for Pesach. And Moadim L'Simcha. And it should be a great Yom for everybody.